All right. Well, welcome to Pray, Send, Go in a Pandemic, Conversations with Ministry Voices. I'm Jared Bryant, a missions pastor at Bethel Church. I'm here with Jen Colton, our assistant missions director at Bethel. And we are so excited about this whole podcast. This has just been great. We've done a few of these already. And it's been really exciting. Really, the, the purpose is, it has three purposes. We are doing each episode with two or three of our ministry partners at Bethel, just having a conversation. And the first purpose is we want to encourage and pray with our ministry partners. Secondly, we want to raise awareness of and therefore prayerfulness for our ministry partners. So, you know, all of Bethel being aware of who they are so they can pray for them. And then third, for our ministry partners to encourage us, to challenge us, to give us suggestions, ideas, resources on how to live on mission locally and globally. So today we are joined by Paul and Jean Sawalka who uh, I'll, I'll let them introduce themselves and who they're with. They're with Sateka, and they can tell you more about that here in a little bit, as well as Lulua Al-Maluf with ABTS in uh, Lebanon. So welcome. Uh, we're so glad you guys are with us. So Paul and Jean, if you can uh, introduce yourselves and your ministry there. Okay, we're uh, Paul and Jean, obviously. We've been uh, here at the seminary for over 50 years, so there's a little bit of history there. And uh, we're excited for the opportunity we have to serve the Lord here in Guatemala and, well, have an outreach from here to, which goes far beyond Guatemala. Yes, it is great to be with you today and to share. Paul was actually born here in Guatemala, but uh, I wasn't and, and came along after college. So it's been great to, we were married here, met here and married here and have been here ever since. So it's been, it's great to share today. Yeah, that's wonderful. So you, you all have been there for how long did you say? 50 years, right? Yeah, over 50. It'll be 50. It'll be 50, yeah, 53 this year. 53 this year. Wow. In August, at the end of the year, yeah. And we're kind of part of, we're kind of part of the, the equipment. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. And to encourage you guys, you know, we sent a team, I think, uh, was it two years ago in 2018 uh-huh. down to Sateca to Guatemala? There was a team of, I think, 12, if I remember right. And they were saying, and I kid you not, I asked them how it was. They said, oh, Paul and Jean were running laps around us. So you guys have been in ministry a long time, and yet you, you must be very young at heart and energetic. So, uh, so there you go. But thank you guys for joining us. Uh, Lula, if you could tell us about yourself and uh, a little bit about ABTS as well. Yes, so I'm Lulua Al-Ma'roof. I'm the Development and Partner Relations Manager at the Arab Baptist Theological Seminary in Lebanon. I'm Lebanese, born and raised in Lebanon. I grew up in a Christian home, Bible-loving family, and uh, I studied mathematics, but I had the desire to serve God, so he led me to ABTS. I'm very happy to be serving the entire Arab world through the seminary. So at ABTS, we have students from the Middle East and North Africa who come from different backgrounds and from many different places, and we train them to serve their churches. Yeah, that's wonderful. And that's really why we wanted to bring these two ministries together, uh, Sateka and ABTS, both uh, raising up workers for the ministry field, both uh, doing theological education and raising up 
pastors, ministers, church planners, those who are going all over the world, Central America and beyond, and North Africa and Middle East and beyond to uh, expand God's kingdom, do his work. So very exciting to have you guys from different parts of the world. And I want to give Jen Colton an opportunity to introduce herself. So Jen, you can tell us a little bit about uh, what you do at Bethel. Yes, so I'm Jen Colton, and I work with Pastor Jared in the missions department. And our goal is just to continually raise awareness of global missions, local missions, how we can serve and be the hands and feet of Christ wherever we are called to do that. And it's just been an incredible opportunity and being able to, to do things like this, where we connect with our ministry partners in other locations. And uh, this is just a, this is a really a huge gift to be able to do that. And so uh, Jared and I are really excited that we have the opportunity to, to kind of bring some light to what you guys are doing in other places around the world in a time where I think we have forgotten that the rest of the world exists. So Thank you. So, well, thank you guys all for joining us today. You know, I, I want to start our conversation with a, a heavy heart before we get into both ministries. So we are recording this two days after a major global event happened in Beirut. Uh, two days ago on August 4th, uh, there was um, an explosion of a, a warehouse that had ammonium nitrate and it caused massive damage throughout Beirut and ABTS is located uh, in kind of the outskirts of Beirut. And so uh, Lulua, maybe you can tell us a little bit about kind of what is going on there, how this has affected ABTS. You know, um, I know you guys have seen some damage, but, but the students, the ministries just, you know, how have, maybe kind of give us an update, give us a report. Hey, so this is definitely the, worst explosion we've ever had in Lebanon and uh, we've had so many explosions over the years the devastation is unprecedented there's no words to describe really what's going on personally I used to work in the port of Beirut uh, before coming three years before coming to ABTS I have a lot of friends there uh, I know some people who lost their lives and some who are still missing so it's very difficult to speak about it at this time but being at ABTS, being in a community that is always looking to serve God, to see where God is calling us, this always is so encouraging. This is a place where really we can look to God and see that he's working, join him in his work. So there's, re there's hope. I'm grateful to be in, you know, surrounded by uh, people, staff here and faculty who are always encouraging. So far, no one really knows exactly what happens. There are many different speculations. But there's so over 150 people definitely dead, so many more found missing. There are thousands who were injured, and there are thousands of families who lost their homes. They don't have a place that they can sleep in. <clears throat> so one thing we thought of at ABTS, we praise God that we were able to recently send the greatest majority of our residential students back home. So they're back in Sudan, Egypt, and different countries. Uh, this means that our dorms building is empty. Uh, we decided very quickly to start a, a preparing this to receive families who do not have a shelter. We already have several medical workers and first respondents who were staying here quarantining from the pandemic. So, so far, Lebanon has been suffering through an economic crisis. 
because of corruption, then there's the pandemic, then there's the Lebanese found losing its purchasing power, people are losing their jobs, people are becoming poorer and poorer overnight, and now the explosion. So the least thing that we can do at ABTS is provide shelter. And uh, we're working on that. You see all the staff and faculty members even uh, coming, painting rooms, cleaning rooms. Uh, uh, yesterday I was with uh, Eli, the president, and Mireille's wife, who were buying cutlery to fill the units to receive families. So today, our, the first family arrived to ABTS and we're hoping to host uh, between 30 to 40 families in addition to the health workers who are already staying at ABTS. Wow, yeah, you know, you, you mentioned it, but uh, there, were, there were already, it was kind of crisis upon crisis in, in Lebanon and you had the refugee crisis and then uh, political crisis, economic crisis, health crisis with pandemic, and, and now this. And one of the things I love about ABTS, you know, several months ago, I was talking to Eli Haddad, the president of ABTS, you just mentioned. And right at when the pandemic started, you guys sprung into action and, and were using your buildings there to help healthcare workers and, um, and your students and, and various ministries there have been responding to these crises. How, how have you seen God at work, even in the midst of a crisis, how does he use crisis and, and his people in the midst of crisis to um, show compassion and, and to uh, you know, show uh, just the love of, of Christ? So sometimes we think that we are on mission. And then that we are reminded that he is on mission and our role is to join him. For example, we started our, an online program several, a few years ago. And then suddenly the pandemic hit. And so it was very rather easy for us to send as many students as we could home and shift their studying, the residential students, and shift their studying more to... Uh, online. So this is something that we never could have thought to plan for. Uh, yet we see God already preparing the way. S similarly with the, with the dorms building, uh, just re very recently we were the airport reopened and we were able to send the families and students, students of families back to their homes. We thought that this building will be closed we thought, you know, there's no need to, we're just going to lock the door and that's it. And suddenly we're opening it completely. We had no idea that this will be used for, uh, in this way. Um, yet we're just grateful to see uh, so many ministries, you know, responding to the needs. And you see that God has been preparing all these ministries to uh, act when the need appears. Yeah, that's good. You know, it's 2020 in general has been a reminder that God is sovereign over all this. He's sovereign over blessings and difficulties. And it, I just think about Romans 8, 28, that we know that God works for the good, the ultimate good of those who love him, those called according to his purpose. Real briefly, what, what are some ways if people, uh, you know, if there are some people at Bethel who want to get involved and to help, um, both in the recovery and crisis relief from the explosion, but also just in general, 
in Lebanon? What are some ways that, uh, with their prayers and, and maybe resources, they could be involved? Certainly, prayers are very much needed. Uh, with all these, you know, crises, there's no hope except the one that Christ gives us. So, and there's so many people who are searching for a meaning, for a reason, for answers. And, you know, we can only do so much. So we need a lot of prayer for the Lebanese people, um, you know, for hope, for them to find the real hope that is in Christ. And if they would like to, you know, support ABTS, they can directly talk to you. So for any listeners, uh, if you, with both ABTS and Soteca, and I'll mention this again at the end, feel free to email me jbryant at bethelweb.org and we can definitely get you connected with either of them or both of them. And you can get on their newsletters and get their prayer updates and see ways that you can personally help. Well, uh, Paul and Jean, I want to shift to, to you two uh, because, you know, Guatemala, obviously we're in the midst of a pandemic, but Guatemala had, uh, and maybe still has, I'm not actually sure, very uh, tight restrictions in, in quarantine. I know that, uh, from other ministry partners that we have there in, in Guatemala. I mean, it, there was heavy restrictions on where you could go and what you can do. And yet still in the midst of this, you know, we, we hear reports on Christians who are bringing meals, bringing food, who are providing crisis relief. So maybe you guys can speak to that a little bit. Yeah, um, it's interesting to hear about what's going on in Lebanon because it's very, very similar. We are a school that's training men and women for ministry to go around the world. And uh, our, our purpose is the same. And since the 16th of March, we were at work and uh, we were told that the government was closing all schools and universities and that we were to go home. And we thought it was before Easter time and all that, you know, we thought, oh, probably after Easter, things will open up and um, they have not opened up, obviously. Uh, things are a little bit, a little bit opened up now, but for, since then there were, there was no public transportation in the city or outside the city. You couldn't go between um, departments or between areas of the country. Uh, there's a curfew. It's now nine o'clock at night till five in the morning. It had been four o'clock in the afternoon. Saturdays and Sundays were closed down. If you're over 60, you're not supposed to go out of your house. And uh, you couldn't be in the street, like even we live in an area, a gated kind of a kind of gated community, but we weren't supposed to be out walking in the street after four o'clock in the afternoon, things like that. So that it was very strict. And the idea was our president is a medical doctor. And so he was very, very conscious of medical things and putting up temporary hospitals and being able to treat the people that did become infected with COVID. And there are some, we just heard of one this morning, um, uh, a family member of one of our friends who, who just died. And there's obviously that's happening. Uh, so, and there's been some students that have been sick uh, with COVID and that, so there's, there's just been a lot going on. So we're very, very aware of what's going on. That's obviously caused problems of people, they can't get to work and their work has been closed down. So there's a problem with people here. They put out a flag, especially in the rural areas. If they have no food, they put out a white flag outside their home to say that they have no food. And so if there's anybody that can help them, they do. 
And so when that first started, that was very, it was really something to see on the news, people that had a plague because they had no food to eat. And um, so there's a lot, a lot going on. Some of that has improved, but as time goes on, there's still no work for a lot of people. And the government has tried to do things to help them, but um, it's hard. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing. Yeah, uh, and, and I had seen that uh, from, from you guys and from our other ministry partners, pictures of the white flag, and it's, it's very poignant. People just at a point of desperation and despair uh, crying out for help. And, and what an opportunity for the body of Christ, for the church to step in. So maybe for, for either Paul and Jean or Lulu, if you, if you want to share, you know, I think one of the greatest needs right now in the midst of all this is hope. Uh, everything seems so hopeless. Uh, people are feeling so hopeless. And yet we know that we are never without hope. God is the God of hope. You look at Romans chapter 5. Hope does not disappoint us, it says. Uh, hope actually, it, it's bearing, even in our suffering, is, is producing something. It's bearing fruit. So how have each of you seen hope in the midst of a pandemic? Well, I can share... Uh some of the things that our students have done, of course, everything is online now, so uh, they're all studying remotely. But uh, one of our students uh, works in a church in a little town, thought this was a great opportunity to, to share hope. So uh, he contracted a, a pickup, got a sound, uh, external sound system going, and they went through the town just sharing scripture and messages of hope uh, for all the people in the town. So they've done some very creative things. Wow, that's awesome. That's great. Lula, how about you? How have you, how have you seen hope in all this over the last several months? So as you mentioned, we also have the refugee crisis in Lebanon. So, and since the pandemic, and so many people don't have jobs, this also affects refugees even with their you know, whatever jobs they even had. So one thing is we were, we were working with five of our graduates spread in different areas in Lebanon, and they're helping uh, provide the hygiene kits, especially for the pandemic, raise awareness for social distancing and food packages. Uh, this become a common theme kind of in Lebanon. You can see churches working to provide for the refugees. And if we go back a little bit in history in Lebanon, Christians, churches, they had a lot of fear from Syrians. Syria had occupied Lebanon for many years. And now you see the churches continuously being transformed and not looking inside the church building, but working to serve the others, to go visit them and go, you know, share with them and help them. So. It's always wonderful to see the body of Christ really uh, being his hands and feet. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you uh, for sharing that, both of you, and, and kind of what's been, what's been happening where you are. Um, I'm curious as to, to how this, you know, I mean, being in quarantine for so long, and I know that it's been a little different for each one of you, but how has it affected your ministry? How has it affected you guys personally? Yeah, when we first started, kind of for us here at home, every day is a Saturday. You know, it's Tuesday, Saturday, or Thursday, Saturday, because they're all days that we're, we're both home here at the house, and it's been that way. 
And uh, there are people that have said, you know, I have cabin fever. I can't just stand it here any longer. But majority of people in the team that we work with in the development department, uh, one of the gals lives close to the seminary and goes to do receipts and some things in the office. The rest of us are all working from home and we communicate on Zoom once a week and communicate other times during the week to um, if there's consultations in that. But that's how we're functioning. In the middle of this on the 4th of May, um, I fell here in our apartment and I fractured my hip. So we did have a trip to the doc to the hospital and then we had two trips to the doctor. And so those have been our outings <laughs> since the 4th of May. But I'm very thankful. Uh, my hip is healing well and I can get around. And uh, you know, those, that was something you kind of think, how much more Lord can we take right now? You need to choose a little more exciting adventures than I'm, uh, I'm thinking and maybe not injuries that send you out of the house. <laughs> you know, you, you do theological education with, with students and, and these students are doing all kinds of different ministries all over the world. So maybe each of you can share a little bit about that. What, what, what kinds of things are both they learning and doing once they graduate from your respective schools? One of the aspects that we focused on is uh, reconciliation. So students uh, learn what we call the charismatic approach, which comes from the word charisma, proclamation. So when they ever, whenever they're sharing, you know, let's say a student is not a Christian, he came from a non-Christian uh, family, and he, they, want, they want to go back and share with their families about Christ. We focus a lot on proclaiming Christ, uh, a lot on reconciliation and re reconciling with their families, and then being salt and light to their communities from within their communities. It's very easy to point fingers and, you know, uh, accuse people of the wrong things they believe in and, uh, you know, about all the obvious wrong things. But we, we focus a lot on, you know, proclaiming Christ and we want our students to do that. And we've been very successful in that. So we have a lot of students who are able to reach out uh, from within their communities to the, you know, the people around them. So this is one of the exciting things. Students go back to do all kinds of ministry, church planting and serving with children and youth and women ministries. And some are pastors, some are, uh, you know, they have their own businesses that are platforms for ministry. Uh, some have, you know, normal jobs and they serve through, through that. Yeah, that's good. Jean and Paul, how about you all? What are the... Uh... <clears throat> Really exciting aspects of the ministry here is that uh, we have students from over 20 countries, but serving the Lord in nearly 40 countries around the world. Uh, there, there's been a resurgence, I'd say, or maybe a surgent, surging of interest in uh, world missions in our part of the world and over the last 30, 40 years where the church has all of a sudden realized, you know, where missions isn't just receiving people. We have a responsibility as well. And so uh, we have graduates serving in several European countries, uh, like Scotland, Norway, Germany, France, Spain, uh, and other parts of the world as well. So um, 
you know, it's exciting to get their letters and see how God is using them. Some of them are involved in reaching Hispanics in their area, which is very interesting. Uh, but they also have outreach to the people in their own community. We asked for some information we needed. What, what would you, what's your dream? What would you like to do? And one of the fellows said, I want to go back to the town where I came from, the area where I came from. And I've studied music and I want to start a music school. And that means not just a place, but it means instruments and a lot of things. And I would like to start a home for um, single moms or I would for uh, girls that have gotten pregnant. And these things that, that are going on, there's always organizations that do that, but they want to do something in the area where they've come from. And their dreams are big and we need to dream big because uh, it's, uh, it's a big world and there's lots of things to do. One of our graduates is, we visited with a medical group actually up in the Northern part of Guatemala and they're very much out kind of at the end of the road. We realized that when we went to visit and um, he shared with us about their ministry and what they're doing. His wife is a, is a doctor so she can help the medical part and he works in evangelism and teacher training. And he said, I have to be honest with you. There are days when I would like to leave and go somewhere else. I'm done. But he said, God's dream for me and God's ministry for me is to be here. And so I want to be here and we want to be here till God says move somewhere else. And so that's kind of, uh, that's, that's very refreshing. And it's very refreshing to know that obviously there are people that do want to move on, but yet they're committed to what God wants them to do. And that's the kind of, that's the kind of teaching and that's the kind of feeling you want. Uh, and I can just I can just imagine in Lebanon how hard this is because especially right now living is hard, as well as ministry. That's great, thank you. And and uh, you know both of you mentioned this, Lulu. You just said this. I, I love the emphasis you guys have on holistic discipleship. Uh, yes, the theology is important, leadership development is important, but just in general, just developing them as disciples as followers of Jesus is this holistic approach. And, and so that's fantastic. I think one of the things that came to my mind is, is each of you were talking about that and, and talking about some of the things that your graduates go on to do. I, I'd be curious to know what the kind of what the follow-up and, and continued pursuit of your graduates and, and support level is beyond, you know, let's once they graduate and they move on to other places, what is the, the kind of follow-up that each of your schools do to continue to encourage? And, you know, and if they have these dreams of starting different things, how, how do you support them? Is there financial support? Is there ability to, to match them with other partners or people who can really push and continue to, to develop them in a lifelong mentorship way. It's been interesting it, because we've been here for so long. We've, we've known students that have come single and they've found their partner here. They have married and they've gone off the ministry wherever. And sometimes they've come back to study in the master's program with little kids. And now some of those little kids are students. In fact, we have one that is a grandson. And uh, to see what's gone on within families, and uh, they'll come and they'll say, do you know who I am? My daddy was so-and-so, you know. And, uh, but to see what God's done in their families 
and the students that he's brought in to see. And it makes it, it's exciting, but makes you feel real old because, because uh, yes, I do remember your parents before they were married, you know, that kind of thing. But to one see of the advantages that, of being there for 53 years, right? Is that you get to see the generational. That's it. This. That's it, you know. And uh, so it's, it's great to be a part of and to um, get to know students. We're thankful for what God is doing in the lives of the, of the alumni and to connect with them uh, when we can. And sometimes it's phone calls. Now you can do it on Skype or on WhatsApp or something, too. So that's helpful. Yes, so similarly, we have students who come from all around the Arab world, from Morocco to uh, Iraq, to Sudan, to Syria. And so, so far, we do not have the capacity to officially have a good uh, alumni follow-up. Uh, but we do this unofficially a lot. Every student, when they're here, they are usually paired with a mentor from the community, from the faculty. And so we always keep in touch we have our Middle East uh, consultation, which is a, uh, a consultation that we hold every third week of June in Lebanon at ABTS. So we usually try to also invite as uh, many graduates to can to you know meet them here in Lebanon and follow up with them. We have sometimes faculty would visit different Arab countries and. Uh, uh, to meet with the student, with the graduates, follow up with them. And we have some minor projects with some uh, graduates. We have uh, uh, three Sudanese graduates who are uh, working on one of our peace building initiatives. They are applying it in their uh, communities. Uh, we have uh, some graduates in Morocco, in Iraq, in Syria, who we're uh, helping, you know, we're helping them with the with projects to reach out to their communities uh, but these are all um, kind of unofficial projects that we're doing you know uh if i can ask you guys uh this question so you know james one two through four says consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds so uh, so that the the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work endurance must finish its work so that so we may be mature and complete, lacking nothing in him. And, and 2020, this pandemic has been a year of, can we just say various trials? Uh, that, that passage is so applicable to all of us all across the globe. So I guess what encouragement would you guys give to Bethel about enduring various trials to continue proclaiming the gospel, continue making disciples, even in the midst of suffering? Well, First, let's remember that, you know, he, he promised us he is making everything new. He's making everything new, even if sometimes we do not see it. Uh, but instead of focusing on, we have to persevere, you know, we have to endure. But instead of focusing on enduring and persevering, we have to think that we are called to be part of God's work. We are called to be on mission. It's not just the missions team. Everyone, whatever they're doing, whether they're working all day from their home on, you know, via Zoom or they're studying or they're at university or at work, whatever they're doing, we are called to be his light to this world. So we have to be focused to do his work. And, you know, and in all cases, he is making everything new. 
Yeah, it's very good. And I think it's a great lead into uh, just something else that we would love for you guys to share with our Bethel listeners out there is, you know, what are some, some resources, some suggestions, some thoughts each of you have for those at Bethel to live on mission locally and globally? Um, this has been a time, I think, where we have the opportunity, unique opportunity to love others really well, whether it's in our neighborhoods um, to, to try to reshift our focus, to recognize um, what is going on globally. And yet sometimes we have this ability to, to isolate and to insulate ourselves um, and, and kind of focus on our little world. So what, what suggestions and resources do you have um, and things you'd like to say to Bethel about how we can, how we can really pursue others during this time? Well, uh, there are obviously all kinds of podcasts and uh, messages and uh, internet activities that focus on the pandemic and talk about aspects of it. Uh, it's almost overwhelming what you could listen to if you wanted to. Uh, but I think uh, one of the basic resources, and we've already talked about this, is prayer. Uh, our strength comes from the Lord, uh, and we find uh, not only our strength in him, but we have the privilege of uh, ministering through prayer. Uh, there's a, a, a couple who also work at the seminary who live just below us in an apartment, and uh, we've been meeting with them almost every evening since the pandemic started for a time of prayer. And it's just been a real blessing to share that time. And I think from Bethel, um, we're assigned to a small group or a small group is assigned to us and we've been communicating with them. And um, they wanna know, we wanna know their prayer requests. It isn't just for them to pray for us, but we wanna know what's happening in, in their life. And we prayed for one of the husbands that was working up in Chicago um, after the pandemic started and was working and putting in lines or something, camera plumbing, I think it was, but in one of the hospitals there, a portable hospital. So we were able to participate in what Bethel's doing and what they're doing and, and uh, some people from their small group. So that was, those are great opportunities. And to know when somebody says, oh yes, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for all of you in Lebanon. That's great. But when they say specifically, this morning I prayed for you, that is, hits the heart. Yeah, and the weeper in the family. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. That's good. That out in us, and I, yes. I that's, that emphasis on prayer is such a beautiful thing. I think that's one of the things Jared and I have really talked about a lot during this. Is that uh, a lot of community individuals who do not know Christ are so open to prayer right now, um, have been in this season because they they're without hope and and they don't know what the next steps are, and so just to offer. Um, to stop and to pray with someone right then and, and right there is, is a huge encouragement and of huge value and, and to put a face and a name to it versus just a general overall, not that you can't pray for that, but uh, yeah, that, that very specific time of prayer and stepping out to encourage someone that God clearly puts in your path. You know, Paul, you said the Lord, you know, the Lord is our strength and he is. And so relying on his strength to step out of our comfort zone and respond to what he asks us to respond to is, uh, is a really great challenge. Uh, so thank you for that. Lula, what would you like to add on that? I'm going to go in a different direction. Now with the pandemic uh, 
many people are you know spending their time watching a lot more news they're uh, spending a lot of time on social media uh, you know the division that exists already continues to increase the gap continues to widen between people on different aspects one of the things that we we're working on in our Institute of Middle East Studies at ABTS is helping youth, providing them with guidelines for dialogue. So this is something that helps them to, uh, you know, cut the gap, uh, remove the fear walls and listen to the other person and create friendships. We usually use that to create friendships between Christians and Muslims. In Lebanon, there's a lot of division between Christians and Muslims. So I'm going to provide you with a link for what we call the 11 rules for guideline for dialogue. So I think this would be a good resource. Of course, they need to be contextualized to help people to, you know, instead of uh, feeding the other, to help them create bridges. And this is, this is a good tool, I think, for uh, Christians to, to use in order to come, you know, Share the gospel in a new way with the people around them. So. Well, that's that's wonderful. And so, the link that Lula mentioned, if you guys want to email me, actually with any of the resources that were mentioned, or if you want to connect with ABTS or Sateka, please email me. Again, jbryant at bethelweb.org. Jbryant at bethelweb.org, and I'd be happy to connect you with them. They do monthly newsletters. Uh, they, they you know updates and. Uh, Lots of good resources that I can send you there. And if I could give a shameless plug, a couple shameless plugs based on what you guys just said, because you, you mentioned, uh, Paul and Jean, you mentioned prayer. Obviously, prayer is one of the most vital things. And Lula, I really appreciated your perspective. You said listening, listening well to others to navigate cultures, to navigate different worldviews and backgrounds, to develop empathy and develop relationships. We have to listen to one another. So a couple ways for our listeners that you can be involved at Bethel. One, as Jean mentioned, actually, your small group, if you're in a small group, you can be an ambassador team. So there is a small group who has, quote unquote, adopted the Sawalkas and Sateka, and they periodically touch base with them, connect with them, pray for them constantly, share how they can be praying. And it's just developed a beautiful relationship that will hopefully continue and flourish. And it's a way to encourage our ministry partners, pray for them. So you can be an ambassador team. Again, if you're interested in that, uh, let me know, email me jbryan.bethelweb.org. And then something that we have periodically, in fact, we probably have coming up is our Cultivate Workshop, which is how do you have spiritual conversations with others? And we learn about prayer. We go through three things, pray, cultivate, share. And a big part of that cultivating relationships is listening, as Lulua said. So I just want to say thank you to to you all, to Paul, Jean, Lula, Jen. Thank you for, for joining us today on this podcast episode. And may we continue to partner together, pray for one another, and see God move during and after the pandemic to the greatness of his glory. So to our listeners at Bethel, thank you again for joining this podcast episode of Pray, Send, Go in a Pandemic, Conversations with Ministry Voices, and hope that you can join us next time on our next episode. God bless.